Hello, listeners, and welcome. Uh, I am your host, Mike, and I wanted to take this moment to stop down and thank everyone who has cheered us on and given us support to get this podcast going. Uh, it means so much to me. I, I've never thought I would be a part of such a great community, and it just it just means a lot. So thank you very much. But I wanted to use this time to kind of explain the show for new listeners and for yourselves uh, the people who have, who have been with us for a while, it is going to be a different podcast, a different kind of podcast, insofar as that our origins lie in a different podcast. And I we are not affiliated with them, and I want to make that clear so there's no confusion. We are our own entity. This is going to be a completely new show, but from that show, they spawned this awesome community, and thus this show. It is a community where we celebrate all things X-Files. We are a bunch of hooligans who, who love having deep conversations, but also stop down for really low-hanging fruit in bad puns, memes, anything you can think of, and general fuckery. But it's all in good fun and respect for the show and for each other. We just have a great time together, and we, we are so f looking forward to new people joining us and, uh, and all the fun. Now, my team and I have constructed this show with the idea of welcoming new fans with a complete show while also catering to those who came before. So what do I mean by that? Well, after a lot of discussion, I decided to, you know, pull the trigger on this. And right now we are looking at and going to attempt a four episode per month schedule. Two episodes starting at the pilot season one all the way at the very beginning and moving on from there and two episodes starting at the beginning of Season 5. Now, believe me, I know we're either brave or insane. So, uh, while we are very much uh, nervous about it, we, we want to put forth a product that will appeal to old fans and new alike and be able to have a complete product that we can enjoy and be proud of. And so, enough talk. Uh, I just want to thank everyone again for giving us a listen I hope you stick with us. We're very excited. And so without further ado, this is our show. Welcome to This Is Not Happening, another X-Files podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Andrew. My name is Benjamin. not happening. Hello and welcome to This Is Not Happening, another X-Files podcast. Agent Mulder, I'm Dana Scully. I've been assigned to work with you. Oh, isn't it nice to be suddenly so highly regarded? So who did you take off to get stuck with this detail, Scully? Actually, I'm looking forward to working with you. I've heard a lot about you. Oh, really? I was under the impression that you were sent to spy on me. Well, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Mike, and with me is Andrew and Ben. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, Mike. Doing well. Yeah, pretty good, Mike. Pretty excited. Yeah, we're doing the X-Files finally. We're going to be uh, tackling the pilot episode. What are your, what are you guys... Or as we say here in Canada, the, the P-Lot. The P-Lot. Very nice. We don't actually say that, <laughs> but I like the, to think that we could. For sure. So how does this one strike you initially? Uh, solid. I mean, it was uh, such a game changer in uh, 93. 
I remember seeing that and going, this is totally different than anything else that's out there right now. And I want more. Definitely. And and I think with shows like Star Trek and movies like Alien, there's a lot more action happening. This one was a little bit more story focused that I I definitely... A little more cerebral. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And it was it was welcome television for sure. And real too. Like the thing with Star Trek is it's, you know... It's totally beyond anything that is in our everyday experience. Whereas, you know, these are people we can kind of relate to. Exactly. I mean, they're not FBI agents. And unless you're an FBI agent, in which case you look at it and go, oh, it's my job on screen. But, you know, we could we could ideally see these people and go, I, I can identify with their day to day. For sure. You know, I could believe that. And I think that's. Yeah, you can, you can relate to them in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, there are. I mean, there are some human aspects to each of these characters just from right off from the very beginning to go, okay. I can get on board with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we get two mm-hmm. very, very focused characters. And I I think Mulder and Scully just immediately mesh. And it just makes for compelling television. I think what's also really interesting about this is, of course, you know, they didn't know that there were going to be, what, 11 seasons <laughs> no. of this show. You know, they didn't think it was going to be. I think they probably thought, well, it's a nice paycheck for now. Let's hope this show goes somewhere. But mm-hmm. they they really made those characters so real, even in the pilot. And they, they kind of created some tropes that, that last through the entire show. Yeah. Uh, so they're very faithful to them and just good actors that, that find that good business. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, I think it's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. I mean, it sets the tone for the show and it it's pretty consistent with what comes later on, you know, like you were saying, the things that the, uh, like the, uh, the aliens, the, the, the abduction, all that stuff, it just kind of, and it just builds a little more. I mean, he already has lore right from the very beginning. Well, yeah, it sets the stage pretty well for what the show is going to have. You know, the, the tropes, like Andrew was saying is, is that you're, you're going to have your cliffhangers. You're going to have, unanswered questions and i think that's part of the fun of the x-files is that nothing is always explained you know like not everything gets an answer not everything is in your face or handed to you you kind of have to think about it a little bit more even after the episode's over and it it's something that the series carries with it uh through its entirety and i think it's it's set up perfectly in this first episode where we're left with questions you know, that we'll get into, but, uh, it's just so fun. But they do. And often they do this. They give you the viewer that information that the characters do not have. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we learn, and I don't think I'm spoiling it for anyone, you know, that the end we see the bits, uh, the evidence being put away in lockers in the, in the Pentagon. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Mulder, and Mulder won't learn about this until many seasons later. But, uh, you know, it's it's that little little touch that the viewer gets and we get to go, oh, yeah. look at that, what they did there, you know, whereas our heroes will never get to see that. So moving on into the episode proper, uh, we are treated to a little text. The, the theme song has not been written yet at this point. Uh, you know, the following story is made up loosely stitched together stuff to make a cool show you know something they had to put together to make it a little bit more real for the viewer uh it's it's cool if not a little campy but uh i like it yeah i mean the the following story story inspired by actual documented accounts i mean that's another way of saying inspired by true events yeah definitely but i i mean i love the idea that it was pretty de rigueur at the time to say things like that 
but of course, they're talking about alien abduction stories, mm -hmm. and it's interesting. Like the background information on this uh, on this episode says that reality TV was really starting to get kind of big. Yeah. So that they they threw this in there to kind of try and latch on to that that fever, uh, and uh, I. I don't know whether that was really absolutely necessary, but it certainly, you know, probably appealed to a certain audience. Yeah, there's definitely going to be people who latch on to, oh, this has got some truth to it, so let's let's see what this is about. Was it really inspired by true uh, accounts? Who, who did this it? happen to? Yeah. Well, you know what's really funny, too, is, I mean, I don't remember uh, any people or any mentions of, like, um, alien abductions in, like, TV show, like, popular television and stuff like that. I think it was... Such a, a unique and fresh take on sci-fi. Well, yeah. yeah, and I mean, it, it legitimized all those those stories, those legends that we've heard, and put it into like a a down-to-earth TV show. And not no pun intended there, but I mean, like again, like we've just talked about, just it made it a little bit more real for the viewer. I know you want to dive into the episode. I just want to say that I think that Carter had a really great uh, device here for telling re really interesting stories with the 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 pair of adventuresome FBI agents that are going to investigate our mysteries, you know, and it, whether it's the, the mythology arc that's going to dominate the the whole series or whether it's monsters of the week, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's given us a really great platform to, to tell these interesting stories. Uh, and pilot, yeah, how smart was it to use yeah. the expo? I mean, to use the uh, FBI as a, as a backdrop, because it gives them such access that if you were just two average people that were quote unquote searching for paranormal, <laughs> They wouldn't have all the access to these different places and all these different For cases. Sure. I mean, just right from the start. I mean, it's just mm. just smart. But in smart. so many cases, they don't have the access, which is the irony, right? Like you'd think that their badges would let them <laughs> have all this power, point. but in the, it, you know, it's so often not the case. <laughs> right. Uh, which it brings us right to, you know, our our characters in the pilot, where you know you'd think that their FBI they can really throw their weight around, but they get such resistance, you know, from everybody that they meet. It's like, oh, no, not here. You're not going to exhume that body. Yeah. Know they do, you know, but when guns get waved around, they they back down. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you want to lead us into this, Mike? Yeah. So it, I, it opens with uh, nighttime in a forest and some awesome lighting. I really like this shot. This woman is mm. running through the forest. We don't. She doesn't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. And I'd like, I don't know if you guys caught it or not, in the one of the shots you see those those red eyes in the back. The, the glowing red yeah, eyes. Yeah, an immediate yeah. red herring just to freak us out. <laughs> and I think that was so cool. But the lighting in this shot is huh. just so good. Oh, yeah. Well, they love that yeah. the backlit forest, right? I've, mm -hmm. I'm sure I've seen that in at least two or three other episodes. So they got the lights shooting behind oh, yeah. the trees. And, you know, that is that the, the alien yeah, spaceship in the background? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I will say too, um, the the uh, the sequence for the abduction. I mean, it still holds up so well. Does for being like you know for the year this came out. I mean, I've seen some pretty janky stuff that came out years after this, and I think it just looks so good. Yeah, the effects. Well, were they spent a lot of, but they spent so much time uh, working on that uh, swirling leaf effect, which was a combination of practical and a little bit of uh, CGI. Mm -hmm. And of course, in '93, CGI is a big deal. So. Oh, yeah. It just speaks to how much faith Fox had in the show that they were like, "Oh, you wanna you wanna blow some money on a on a leaf effect? <laughs> yes, how much? It's twenty five thousand dollars worth of computer leaves. I can get behind that. 
Hey, that's leaves. That's leave money well spent. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we've got the the totally generic forest setting, which they're going to go back to many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got the impressive light show. And like you say, BP, it just it does really lend itself well to the episode. It stands up super well. I like the what an introduction, right? It, it is quite the introduction, and I like that once the the screen fades to white, you know, you get that immediate cut to her dead body. You know, something happened. We're mm-hmm. not quite sure what's going on. I think with Chris Carter's writing, it really kind of ramps up the fear when the investigator names the victim immediately and the other guy's like, yeah. it's happening again, isn't it? It's like, oh, oh, what a great line. I know. Yeah. It's like, what's happening? This is crazy. Like, I just got, you get chills listening to it. It's really fun. Yeah, it's a perfect introduction. I'm sure even if they showed these first 10 minutes to the Fox execs, there would be one guy who's like, what? what's happening again? I want more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it immediately sucks you in. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you want to know what the what the answer to the mystery is. Mm-hmm. And then we move from there to Jillian Anderson as Dana Scully for the very first time. Walking so through. So bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, everything's quite good right now. She's walking through the halls of the FBI. Summoned by Section Chief Blevins. And the third man, as he's credited. The third man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he has an official X-Files name, you know, like the well-manicured man and the fat <laughs> man and, you know, those kind of things. I think he just gets to be called senior agent or the third man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it so interesting, too, that uh, CSM, as he be, will become known by all of us, was actually oh, so just good. only for the pilot. I mean, he was yeah. just supposed to stand there and be menacing. And then at the end, yeah. and that was all he was originally signed up for. But that chemistry between him and Dana in that moment is just so good. Mm-hmm. Like she says, you know, he's known by this this nickname in the Academy. They called him Spooky Mulder, you know, so he's trying to make a joke. But the reaction that William B. Davis gives <laughs> to that line, and she like curdles. Yeah. What in the hell? He's got no emotion. <laughs> this guy's just like, ugh, I'm done with this. Yeah, they set him up so well. I mean, I'm, it's no surprise that they, they go back to the well to use him because he's so good. And he, yeah. it's it's perfect because they give him camera time more so than I would say the other guys in the room. And well, maybe not more, but his presence outdoes the other two. It's like, what oh, is this sure. guy about? What is what's what's happening here? This, well, he's just well, so menacing him. too. Yep. You know? I mean, look how tall he is, and then like he's smoking in a government building when you're no, nope, <laughs> you're not supposed to be allowed to smoke in there. I mean, he smokes everywhere. What I understand. What I understand from uh, William B. Davis is that he actually didn't smoke. Well, no, he I think he mean. used to, and then he, and then he quit. Uh, and so they were like, "Do you want some clove cigarettes for this?" And he's like, "No, I'm I'm going to get in character. Give me some cigarettes. I'll do it." And it's you can almost see it in the way that he smokes. That he's he's not one of them long practice smokers who's got the the rhythms down. Like he holds those cigarettes and in in a in a really not awkward way, but it's it's very specific way. Almost a menacing way. Yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> combine it with yes, the, that is the combine way. it with that stare and it's it's menacing. Oh yeah. So then uh Dana's tasked to uh spy on Mulder essentially. To her to his understanding, that is her goal. Uh so he doesn't quite trust her yet. So when we cut mm-hmm. to Mulder's office, he is prime Mulder. And I, I view it more as like he's testing everything she says and does and absolutely and i think it's so cool because he he's not dismissive of her but he goes from zero to 60 real quick and and he kind of lays on some weird theories immediately uh what do you guys think of the scene is it is it constructed well do you like the 
the diving right into the the case thing, or do you think there needed to be some more? Well, I think right off the bat, I mean, the most iconic, one of the most iconic lines is, uh, you know, no, sorry, nobody down here but the FBI is most unwanted. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, it just sets the tone of a kind of a them against the uh, them against the world. But yeah, I think the you know his uh, him giving her these theories. And, you know, they look at the slides, mm-hmm. and when she sees the chemical and she can't identify it, you can see immediately her, she goes from the skepticism to this curiosity. Yep. You know, like, what is that? That is, I've never seen it before. And now she wants to know, you know. Yeah, the scientist in her kicks in. I like the scene. Uh, I, I mean, I think that there's a lot going on there with uh, Mulder's line saying, isn't it nice to be suddenly so highly regarded? Uh, <laughs> and that, that sort of prompts in me the question well what did he what did he discover or do which has provoked this action and i think because like later on we find that there's been some cover-up action with uh, dr neman uh and he is able to to sort of piece together these these bits and pieces of these other uh cases to to bring them together and then prompt the investigation to go to oregon i think that that is definitely enough that blevins has gotten the word from above you got to put somebody on Mulder because we're not sure you know, we like where this is going, but it's done in a really bureaucratic way. You got to imagine that they could have, they could have just said, you know what, you're going to go down to Alaska and investigate an organized crime ring right then and there. But no, they're letting, (laughs) they're letting this tease out for the sake of the show. Obviously they, they kind of want to do this. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that is interesting that we, we have this idea that, okay, he knows he's onto something because Scully is now being paired with Mm -hmm. him. But of course, what nobody knows is that Scully isn't going to be this Lap this dog. instrument of of his undoing. She's actually going to be the the person that she needs to be, which is the check on his unbridled enthusiasm. Yeah. Other thing I find in this in this uh, in this particular scene is that it's the first time we see Mulder's superpower, which is for him to completely tell us what the entire plot of the episode is going to be, because <laughs> right. he lays it out. He's like, uh, "It's alien abduction." And uh, these they, these marks here are probes, and uh, there are being tests done on these people. So we're going to go to Oregon and stitch this all together. Yeah, he, he's very very good at predicting exactly what's happening. Another another <laughs> yeah, X Files uh, trope. I I hate to break it to you, Mike, but he's written that way. That's true. That's what true. I find fantastic is any notion that there are answers beyond the realm of science. The answers are there. You just have to know where to look. That's why they put the I in FBI. But I mean, his success rate of guessing is probably in the 80 to 90 percentile. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just on based on totally circumstantial yeah. evidence and some occult book that he read <laughs> that, you know, nobody else has ever heard of. And All right. Future oh, homework is to... bats that fly. <laughs> future homework is to figure out how much, it, you know, what, what miss rate have they given him? You know, when does he ever not call it? I mean, I know we got that one episode of the cockroaches where <laughs> he's constantly calling Scully for, for, for advice, answers yeah. and she says, no, it's got to be this. Right. And he's like, oh, I guess you're right. But uh, that's her one. I think that's different somehow of being right. Yeah. <laughs> so we move from Mulder's office directly to the plane ride to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, mm. This scene, I think, is nice and nice and short. It does what it needs to do. Mm. It, it adds a little bit of creep factor at all Mulder. Well, i mean how can I, i'd like somebody to explain to me how Mulder got three seats <laughs> he bought so he could just lay down seats. on the airplane 
Yeah, the FBI paid for three seats so he could lay down on the oh, way there. Sure. <laughs> you know, that's a deleted scene. They didn't want to show where he kicks out two kids uh, that were arguing uh, next to Get him. He said, you here. guys go sit in the back there. Or maybe they're up. With, maybe maybe there's a family that got led up to the to see how the pilots uh, fly the plane in the cockpit because it was this is pre nine eleven. So you were able to yeah you were to able go up to walk there, up there. The tour right. Oh yeah, I remember doing yeah. that as a kid. But uh, yeah, it's been ten minutes and there hasn't been any real action. And this is a show on Fox, so no doubt somebody sent a note somewhere saying we, uh, need, we need to have a little action. So can we do something? Something needs to happen here. So that's right. So of course, plane almost goes down. That's our action scene. Right. So we get a bit of uh, David Duchovny's dry humor for the first time as he explains mm-hmm. the case history. After, Of course, I'm talking in the car. In the car, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's impressed that he's so thorough, and he's impressed she did her homework. I think yeah. there's there's kind of like a back and forth of them testing each other here. It, it's, it's nice little character building because they're just talking, and it's... It's really relatable in that sense, I think. Yeah, I like that they have a nice uh, banter between mm-hmm. them. Again, you got to imagine this is probably one of the first times they're working together. Like they've probably done some table reads and they've done some some prep work to get to this point, but oh, sure. they haven't gone five seasons. You know, they haven't developed that rapport. So this is this is them getting to to get to that place real quick. Yeah, and I think I think that just adds to uh, that chemistry that the fans kind of latched on to. It's it's immediate oh, yeah. with these two, and it, yeah, it really is. It's it's so fast. I mean, well, testament you know, you to the just, writing. You can just see it on the screen. A testament to the writing. Testament to the directing too. I don't think we've called out Robert Mandel, uh, the director, on this one yet. And this is, of course, the only show he's ever going to do for this series too. So yeah. you know, there there are a lot of good moving pieces that have been put into the right order that have just you know created what I think we're all agreeing is a really great pilot. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to this place is has been uh, quite the quite the trial, but it, it's working. So during their uh, conversation, there's some uh, static, some white noise happening. Stations are changing in the car. Uh, sudden suspense, sudden tension, and then yep. Mulder does something f- fucking nuts. Uh, he stops the car <laughs> without a with, right without a word. Gets out, opens yep. his trunk. <laughs> Gets a bottle of spray paint and that comes standard with the with the rental. Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had that like in the suitcase. <laughs> yeah, he totally uh, sure. packed that. Uh, and then he sprays an X on the pavement where they were just driving, without a word. Pretty- and he he looks yeah. up to the sky like, oh man, we just experienced something. And Scully is just staring at him like what the fuck yeah. like i she straight up says like what the hell is that what the hell are and you he doing just, he just he blows her off he's like oh you know great. nothing <laughs> yeah probably nothing no, probably nothing could be nothing and at this point she's got to be thinking i am putting in for my transfer papers when we get back <laughs> more than that though i think she does see that there's method absolutely you know, it's not like he's just he doesn't freak out you know, it's. I think what she wants is is explanation, but she know he knows that she's not ready for it. You know, and, laying out the entire thing. Yeah, and I th- it's not. They're not there. It's it's just such a cool scene. It's short, and again, I think my favorite part of it is that there is no dialogue because it gives us the audience that insight into Mulder that we have not had yet. Uh, it is the first episode, oh, yeah. but without a word, we're seeing who this man is and what this stuff means to him he is dedicated to this stuff so far and when he does this it's like 
whoa, this is kind of... Well, it's more interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's more interesting to tease out the details, you know, rather than have him explain why he's doing it, which they could have done. Mm-hmm. You know, they could some Fox executive could have said, nobody's going to understand why he's doing this, and we need him to explain it. And I think it really speaks, It's you know, to their credit, they don't do that. Yeah, such a good good scene. So we're pulling up to the small town of White Rock, B.C. I mean, Bella Fleur, Oregon. <laughs> Uh, it's Oregon. Oh, I'm sorry. Remember, uh, dear listeners, I'm from Canada, where we don't know anything about the state. <laughs> uh, yeah, so right right when they start the scene, uh, Dr. Nemen, the doctor who did the autopsies on the other victims, uh, he rolls up and he is not happy. Uh, he doesn't like the fact that the FBI is digging their closet. They think he's doing a bad job. This is all in his head. You know, no one's actually said that. But we also oh, I- learn here that... Soames died of exposure on a relatively warm night, which I think is kind oh, of... Oh, it's shoddy lie. work. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of proving that he does not or did not do a good job. Uh, I think it's more than that, though. I don't think he's just showing up going, what are you doing? You're going to ruin my career. I think that he's actively... Do you think he's in on Well, of course, he's actively fudging these reports. <laughs> so somebody over top of him is saying, no. you're going to write this up like this. Yeah. And, you know, when they come up to dig up the truth, he's thinking... Uh, that guy who smoked all the cigarettes isn't going to be happy with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my life might be on the line, right? Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think they set that up pretty well. And it, it it definitely gives, it sheds more light without actually coming out and saying it and saying, okay, something's going on here. Well, interesting, too, that, that he, he only pulls away when, when Teresa, the daughter, uh, pleads with him, mm-hmm. that, like, let's just go home. And I thought that was an interesting choice because, you know, when you're that strong uh, emotionally, when you're when you're really going to give it to somebody, like, what are you doing here? Uh, and that gets diffused by somebody else. You know, there's a bigger story there. right? Yeah. And I like that. Again, they're just teasing at the details, but not over explaining it. No, honey, I got to stay here and see this through. No, he actually, you know, is, is able off. to get pulled away and let the scene continue. It is good. Uh, and now the uh, the the lift operator there, uh, which he's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. inevitable strap break. Yeah, yeah, classic. Classic TV. But worth it for, for getting us right to the action again, right? We would be at 19 minutes and we need another action scene. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and what do we get? We get a broken open casket and what comes out? Not something that looks human, you know? Uh, uh, Ray Soames, yeah. Yeah, Ray Soames... Did not make the b-ball team, <laughs> as Mulder put it. <laughs> Something's jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think the for an early '90s TV show, I think the corpse looks genuinely kind of gross. It's not not great, not terrible. Uh, it's kind of right in that that wheelhouse of pretty good. What I also like is the reaction too. Oh right? yeah, like it's not just the the, the smell of that corpse is so strong that you as the viewer can smell it based on the reaction. It's just, that's very powerful work. Yeah. And then Mulder's excitement in the autopsy is just palpable. Like our first autopsy, the first autopsy, they're both there for it, which is, and Scully's like, would you please not flash that light in my face? (laughs) If it's not human, what is it? What is it? He's yeah. so happy, like like he's like on to something, and it's got to mean something to to especially people who have these stories that this show is based off of. You know, I think he portrays that that enthusiasm that anyone would, and I think it's, oh, yeah. it's right that infectious that infectious childlike mm-hmm. wonder. 
Well, I think he sees it as the thin edge of the wedge, right? Like this is this is my smoking gun right here. I, I'm going to crack this case wide open because I finally found something I can work with. Yeah, because that's his whole thing, right? He's looking for validity, he's looking for credibility, and he's hasn't got it because he's in a basement office of the FBI. And he take well. I'm curious, guys. Do we do we think this is Ray Holmes? They never really give us an answer, but we do know that the implant was taken out of this corpse. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know. But they're, you know, she says that she thinks it's an orangutan or a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never really say whether or not it ends up being him. I don't know that I have an answer for that. I think uh, this. I think the implant implies that it's that, that it, it is. is him. It could for yeah. sure, especially given later episodes, which I don't want to go into too much. But the be careful, you might spoil something. Yeah. Don't want to do that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that it is Ray Soames. Because mm-hmm. remember, later on, they go to great lengths to destroy the body. For sure. Uh, if it was just right. an orangutan, you know, if it was an obvious bait and switch, then, you know, I think they could have explained it away saying this is some horrible prank. But the fact that they, they you know, the powers that be, the the uh, the great conspiracy around them is, is able to get in there and destroy that evidence suggests that, yeah, this is him. And this is what happens when you when you decompose as a, an abduction victim. Right. And the fact that they went to those lengths kind of, as you're saying, points to the fact that it is him. So I think that's a good, good pull. I think the orangutan is an interesting choice plot wise. I mean, I, I think it allows them to, to, to sort of view it the characters, you know, Mulder and Scully to view it as a prank mm-hmm. is, is one of the logical explanations. But I think they could have done a couple other things as well that would have made it a bit less explainable. So as they're wrapping up the scene in the autopsy, I like that Mulder takes a moment, stops down. He just says, look, I'm not crazy. I have the same mm. doubts you have. And I know it's like his way of saying, I know I've been kind of excited right now and doing some crazy shit but i'm not insane i i'm still an investigator i'm still at the fbi yeah so you can trust that i'm of sound mind to be saying the things i'm saying <laughs> well he he needs her on his side Absolutely. because she's the medical expert so he needs to say whatever he needs to say that will get her uh that will get her on board to do the work that he needs her to do yeah. so there is a little bit of, I think, him pleading in that semi-manipulative semi way. Like, I, I kind of need you to know that I'm on the same place as you because I'm going to get something from you. Oh, but sure. also, I think that they have shared some time together. Mm-hmm. And he is looking to bond. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I can't take this journey alone. I think he's finally found somebody that he can respect. And this is where they're going to go together. Okay, so next scene, we're in the hotel. First Scully note-taking of the series. What do you guys think? <laughs> The world's oldest laptop, right that there. That is an old laptop, <laughs> right? That's interesting that they chose not to do like the infamous uh, voiceover, and this is mm-hmm. just basically her transcribing her notes from the autopsy, right? But I do like the fact that she—you can see that she's really intrigued by when she holds up the implant to the mm-hmm. light. She's very intrigued, you know. She, she really wants to know mm. what is what is this. What's going on here? Yeah, it is. And I like the camera angle that they use there with the the, the X-ray that they've got with the red circle around it. Like that little bit of visual information tells us everything we know as the audience uh, to put the pieces together. It's like, this is the problem. Mm -hmm. This does not belong. This is Where it was found and all that. Yeah. You can see it was in the nose. You know, it's it's well done. It is very well done. And then we move there to 
from there to the psych hospital, and we are introduced yep. to one Billy Miles and Peggy Odell. This is interesting because Billy is in a coma, and mm-hmm. he's staring off into no man's land. Uh, Peggy is reading to him. Uh, they are apparently close, and Mulder and Scully are there for information. They want to see what people here know, and uh, because they're of the you know, same just... class of the people who were have been killed so far, um, they're interested in the phenomena that's affecting these people. So yeah, they're in the hospital, and as soon as they ask a question, Peggy gets a nosebleed and starts freaking out. Mulder, being Mulder and always looking for evidence, lifts up the back of her shirt to find those two marks. Oddly inappropriate move, honestly, but uh, I think Scully is <laughs> disturbed by the fact that she's got the marks and uh, they argue on their way back to the car. You know, she's like, how did you know? How did you know that she would have those marks? And, and Mulder, he says, I, yeah, I don't think you want to know what you don't want to know. Cause he's still, <laughs> yeah. he's still part of him still thinks that she's there to spy. He doesn't completely trust her, obviously. No one would at this point. I like that they don't come immediately to a place of trust, mm-hmm. you know. I, this is the great part of the show is the tension between these two characters. And they're going to play with play with that throughout the entire series. Yeah. Uh, at some point, it's going to get ramped up. But when they have sparks flying between them, that's some of the best work. Absolutely. You know? And to count, to counter what he did in the autopsy, she she shows her colors here. You know, she shows him that she's there to find the truth, not to do someone else's bidding. And I think that goes a long way with him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Which means, of course, we have to go to the forest. We have to go to the forest. And at night. More amazing lighting work. That You know, it's actually tricky to light night scenes. Absolutely. They, this is a, a hallmark of the X-Files, is that they, they develop some really amazing really techniques nice for doing that. Really nice backlighting. And Mark Snow, we haven't said anything about him yet. He shows off a bit with his music here. I love that droning synth. Oh, man. So good. (laughs) Scully pockets some of the, what looks like dirt, but is definitely not dirt. Um, Uh, Mike, that is space dirt. Space dirt. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I see it in the notes here. Space ash from the uh, (laughs) annual barbecue. Yes. That's right. From the alien smoker. In this whole scene kind of calls back to that intro scene there's scully's kind of disturbed by a noise she goes to check it out and we get that really brilliant backlighting over the hill uh looks just like the intro and who shows up but the i gotta i just gotta call out at this point she she's like Mulder, is that you it's like what he went out and found a (laughs) caning machine out in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah scully i'm riding the mechanical bull over here uh sorry i should have told you yeah he went out and found a few floodlights yeah, yeah. I like the misdirection too because it's so. Oh yeah, it's ridiculously loud. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no way it's that loud in in reality. But but I do like and that is they, a... they add it to add the tension, you know, because it goes to commercial right as the uh, you know we come back and it's it, she's standing there calling for Mulder and it's just well done. I like that scene so much. Yeah, that is a very poorly tuned truck to be making that noise. Though <laughs> I think we can all agree with that. Like he has a generator in the, in the trunk or something like yeah. that. I mean, the fumes must be. Yeah, I don't know what he's got going on there. <laughs> I but don't know man, what he's got in there. It is loud. So she's walking around with her uh, department-issued Walter PPK. And he is threatening <laughs> them with a shotgun on his shoulder. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Like, I know That's obviously... the world's most awkward pose. <laughs> well, I, I think it's like the kind of the balls of this guy to, to be given the FBI 
this much trouble and to be literally kind of propping himself with a with a shotgun like if you don't leave i'm gonna kill you do you think that's a little extreme or do you think it's uh i I think that yeah i I find this well okay first of all this is a callback to what we were talking about with uh the idea that they're fbi agents right Mm -hmm. that they should have the superpower of well we can be anywhere because we've got these credentials but at the end of the day, you know, he's probably right. You're trespassing. You don't have any reasonable cause to be here. True. I'm the law around here, and I'm saying you go away. And they back down because of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's a little too big balls for my taste. It's like, <laughs> I feel like he's he, got no he fear probably could have. Well, exactly. It's like they literally have guns pointed at each other. There, there could be some bodies dragged out of here mm-hmm. at the end of this scene, but. You know, neither of them wanted to come to violence. No, and uh, Scully... And with the backlight, you can't see that. I mean, how could you even see that he's actually a deputy? I mean, yeah, he exactly. could have just been any random guy off the street or, mm-hmm. you know. So I always thought that have was they, kind of funny, too. Have they even met? Yeah, they, they've they met no, in the cemetery? Met At the cemetery. I'm all sure. I don't know what, he wasn't there. He may not have been there. I think about it. So, yeah, he's just some guy with a shotgun. some guy with a shotgun. They don't I think know. He that. says he's the he's the law though, so he they yeah. they acquiesce. But I mean, it's pretty flimsy. Like there's no showing of credentials, and as you say, well, he's that back light behind it, him so. too is so bright. I mean, I mean, all you can see is the shadow of his outline. You can't see a badge on his until you get really close to him. You know, you and, know what? He'd be he'd be easy to shoot at. Nicely silhouetted like that. <laughs> so from here we get to the car ride back to the hotel, and it is raining out torrential rain she shows Mulder the dust she collected the space dirt um scully actually thinks it's could possibly be some sort of sacrifice a cult um and we get uh, an interruption let's call it uh Mm -hmm. the the bright lights come up the boss time the screen kind of freezes for a moment and we're there's been a, a paranormal event here Mulder, right before had just checked his watch and he checks it immediately after, and nine minutes have gone by. He freaks out. He is once again so happy. And it happened right on the spot he spray-painted earlier. Oh, that's enough to send Scully over the edge. It's, oh, it's yeah. a pretty brilliant set of coincidences that he can be like, and I knew it all was going to happen, because <laughs> I know how this plot's going to go. I'm Mulder. Yeah. I'm, I'm so Mulder. excited. I lost nine minutes. And I can't account I mean, for it. <laughs> come on. You got to think, though, if you were to analyze this a little bit, you'd be like, did I just get probed by aliens? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what, what happened in those nine minutes? Come on. What Why you... is my ass so sore? <laughs> <Yeah>. I can't <laughs> sit. <laughs> Am I going to have nosebleeds now? Uh, what What's going on? No, I was just uh, saying, but he's a, he's a nosebleeds and all. Am I going to be sick now? Where's the dots at? <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, funny enough, that's probably why, you know, when they go back to the hotel and Scully does the whole thing with the, oh, yeah. the uh, mosquito bites, I can see why she might think that after the whole Oh, yeah. Thing. This is freaking her out slowly. Like, she's scientifically skeptical, but slowly and slowly it's chipping away at her. All the things Mulder's ending up correct about... And then this lost time thing, she probably, she disregarded it in the moment. She said, it's not possible. Time doesn't just disappear. But now in the hotel, she's by herself. She's about to take a shower. And she finds two bumps where the the scars have been on all the victims on her back. And she loses it. She We see her shaken up for the first time 
It's pretty intense. She does such a good job. Jillian Anderson is fantastic in this scene. I got to say, I mean, as much as what 13-year-old me at the time was like, oh, is he digging out of her? Oh, so oh, it is. Yeah. Definitely, I, where I mean, I this... my, uh, definitely where my attraction to redheads probably started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this has to be some exec at Fox saying, uh, gentlemen, we we've gone 22 minutes without uh, skin. I hope you will write in a scene where she's going to have a bath or something, if you know what I mean. Um, a little bit gratuitous, except for I like that Carter's able to tie it back to the bump. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was offensive at all in the sense that it actually worked for the story. I think, yeah, it was so brilliantly written. Yeah, I think he was like, okay, I'll give it your nudie shot, but I'm going to make it about the alien bumps. It's not going to be about her like turning on some light jazz and lighting some <laughs> candles and about to get into a bath. Although Mulder does have a candle. Yes, he, <laughs> <laughs> he brings in the camp, but that's just fine because the power has gone out because we exactly. are in Weirdsville. Which yeah. they just happen to have candles in the hotel room, so that's convenient. And we, but you know the the you know the the thing about this part is you know I, I know some people have had mixed reactions to it over the years, um, but I like the fact that Mulder never really he never really acts like it's some sort of sexual advance or anything like that. Oh it's no, very like. He's just more curious. Clinical. And that's where I think it doesn't... That's why I don't think it's such a bad scene. Oh, absolutely not. He never acts like, you know, and she never acts like it's a thing. It's not like this is supposed to be some romantic scene. This is just... No. You know, she she was freaked out, and he's he's her partner. he's just being a partner and helping her out. He's not... It's not a implied sexualism, in my opinion, uh, at all. Right. Outside of... Because as we all know, this is is the absolute wrong time to make a sexual advance when your partner comes in freaked out that you might be having, you know, alien probes on you. That is not the time to come on, you know. So what you doing? (laughs) So you up. (laughs) So the alien probed you. Is it my turn? Oh, man. Uh, Also worth (laughs) noting... Okay, so moving from Worth that. Worth noting, uh, we have the crucifix uh, showing there. Uh, she's wearing her crucifix necklace. Uh, it's gonna, we're going to see a lot of that going forward. But uh, yeah. a nice little nod that, you know, this is this is her faith uh, is part of, well, I guess it could be anything, right? But we do know later on that it's It becomes be a very video. significant piece, for sure. Yeah. Um, and from this, we move into the, the talk in the bedroom. Uh, Mulder kind of lays out who he is and why he's so determined we get a really cool scene with them that it allows them to connect even more than we've already talked about he talks about his sister and her suddenly disappearing one day and even though the story he gives her is not quite what happens as they kind of alter it for future episodes um it's kind of haunting pretty scary uh, to hear someone talk so passionately and so like in all seriousness he's saying my sister was abducted by aliens i have been regressed i've had i these are memories i'm recalling from my subconscious and uh, she's enthralled she's listening to this man's story and he's just laying it all out there which i don't think he's done with anyone before you know he's got his colleagues yeah. that make yeah, fun of him like because that. he's got some kooky theories but he's never opened up like this to someone and i think he's starting to trust this person because of her reliance on fact and finding the truth and i think the story is the beginning of the mythology right mm-hmm. here mm. you know they set the it up about samantha right i yep. mean because mike like, like earlier you know scully says you know he was considered one of the best minds in the violent crimes section mm-hmm. 
you know, he was really on the rise. And then he, you know, found out about the X-Files and that changed the course of his life. And then once you realize what's the motivation behind it, you yeah. know, that this is really what drives him. Every time he's out here it, chasing aliens and all that, at least for the first seven seasons. Yeah, he could be looking you know. for the poop monster from Host or something, but it all ties back to the <laughs> supernatural event in his life that leads him to believe these things. And it makes him more human and it makes him much less crazy. Uh, I th- what I like about this oh, what I like about this scene a lot is is it's uh as you say, it is pivotal. I totally agree with you. This is where their relationship fundamentally begins because they've shared this big moment together. Mm-hmm. You thought right you got Andrew. probes. In fact, it's not. It's mosquito bites. Ha ha. We can all laugh. They could have just walked away from that. But, of course, the power is out. They can't just go back to work because there's no power. Right. So they get to have this heart to heart. And this is, I, I got to imagine some time passed before Mulder got to say, this is kind of how it is for me. And they do have this great moment together. And it could have been just a big exposition dump, but for the fact that, again, they're both really good actors and you are right there living it with them. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It's, it's, you know, it's not exactly the way it's played out in future episodes, but what I really like is that they don't do the, the recreation scene. You know, they don't flash us back yeah. as they do later on in this point. It's not necessary because his performance is so good. You know, you know what happened because you see it happening in his face. And during his whole story, we get a shot of a man lurking about. Now, mm-hmm. is that necessary or did you guys find it okay? What do you think of that? Did you think that was a man? I always thought that was Teresa. Teresa? I, was I thought that was Teresa maybe yeah, looking to ask for help. No, I thought it was the guy waiting to set the hotel on fire. That's what yeah. I took it as too, actually. But I see what you're saying, yeah. BP. It could, yeah, it, could. You, it could have been Teresa, except that she calls them, right? So... Mm-hmm. That's true. But I guess that means she knows what hotel I never. I guess I never thought of that, BP. I never thought of it the other way, honestly. I always thought it was Teresa. I thought she was maybe going to approach him, and then they got called away That's on That's very the... possible. Huh. That's so See, weird. See, we still have <laughs> questions, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I know, right? 30 years, 30 years later. I'll call, I'll call Chris Carter after the show and, and, and find out. All right. It would I'm make sense too. that it was Teresa because, well, I would raise more questions, right? Is now Is it now she... What am I trying to say? Is she now in on the plot to get them away from the hotel room so that they can go in and torch it? I would no, say I think no. she wants help. Yeah. I think she wants help just like she did at the diner later on. So it's just coincidental that they're... But it could be, but then in. again, it, it also makes sense that maybe it's the guy waiting for them to leave so he can torch the yeah. place. So. That, that's always it is a nice counterpoint. It is a nice counterpoint to the scene um, where we have this intimate heart-to-heart and then we're like reminded... Oh wait a second! It's still scary out there. You know there are things. It's enough to get our viewers well, to, yeah. to sort of be prodded out of their seats. A and bit. even even as Mulder's talking about people blocking his attempts to get answers in certain files, you know that kind of juxtaposition. You know, if someone, or maybe not juxtaposition, but someone walking outside, lurking in the shadows. To me, that's kind of like representative of that. Like, hey, there's still stuff going on, and Mulder's talking about it right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, that yeah, that absolutely. scene always struck me as some guy waiting to torch the place. But in fact, it may have been Teresa. It, it may have been. She's about to call them and tell them that Peggy O'Dell has just died. Yeah, which they go off to take a look at because, of course, that's the next piece in the puzzle. So we have the All phone right. call telling us that Peggy O'Dell has died, and they head off to investigate. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it's Peggy O'Dell running out in front of a tractor trailer. 
odd because we've only seen her in the wheelchair. Dun, yes. dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And they never really go into that. They just like, they don't. Huh, look at that. She was able to run the whole time. What a good faker. What a good faker. But in classic <laughs> X-Files fashion, it just asks more questions. But the key moment is that Scully notices that her watch stopped at the same Stop time it. that they had the experience in the car. 9.03. So what does that mean? Something. It, it, nothing. It means something to, coincidence. to nothing. Just a coincidence. <laughs> so, here's an interesting question I never thought before until I was watching it this last time for like the 200th time. So the time loss is at 9.03, right? They're all excited, jumping up and down in the street. They drive back to the hotel. Scully takes a bath. They have time for an intimate conversation that lasts at least 10, 15 minutes. And then they get called that Peggy O'Dell dies. They go back to investigate, and she's still laying on the side of the road. I mean, it seems like a lot of time has passed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of time has passed for them to actually be there, and her body's still just laying on the side (laughs) of the road. Well, well, I just I never thought about that before. Thing, but things move a little slower in Belfour. Yeah, you know, they they gotta get <laughs> no they gotta go in, track down a good blanket. No one's in a hurry for anything. Right there in old Canada, Oregon, huh? Yeah, <laughs> white white <laughs> rot. Uh, I I took it another way on my uh, repeat viewing here. In that, could the fact that she's able to run and she's been in the wheelchair uh, could that be a little setup that maybe it wasn't Billy Miles being the only villain here? Maybe maybe it was also Peggy O'Dell was one of the people that was able to to drag the the other classmates to the to the forest for their abduction. That's it, very possible, and I think it lends to the idea that the aliens can control, or these these forces can control people uh, without their knowledge. Uh, they're using them yeah. as kind of vessels to do what they want they want people yeah. to i think the bloody noses are a good indication of that too mm-hmm. mike you know the bloody noses always seem to happen when there's stress when people are talking that they don't want people to yeah. talk to yeah could, you know? yeah so from the 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 car accident we go back to the hotel and Mulder and scully rush back and they see that it is on fire they have lost everything and they've already found out also that the lab has been trashed yeah. and that the body has been stolen the race homes has mm-hmm. been stolen. Bad guys are covering their tracks. So we're immediately getting kind of a taste of what Mulder's been talking about, at least in that scene with uh, with Scully in the hotel. People are actively blocking his progress. So I think that adds a lot of tension and suspense to the show. I think this episode really is doing a good job of kind of slowly ramping everything up and giving us examples of what Mulder's talking about. So we as viewers know he's not insane. I th- yeah, and it puts a big well, underline. Isn't it nice, too? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, isn't it nice, too, that uh, they never really... It's never really revealed who actually sets fire and steals the body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... That's sort it's of a, a bigger mystery that's left... Yeah, I mean... No, no, it's a cigarette smoking man. the whole idea that... He's he, he accidentally yes. dropped his cigarette in the hotel room. That's why it's all lit up. Oh, no! He didn't mean to set it on fire. He was just waiting for him to get back from the. I I imagine a deleted scene where he like is smoking in a chair and like he drops a cigarette and he does oh whoops and then he tries to stamp it out and a little fire starts and it creeps along and the curtains go up and then he like holds his face it's like oh no <laughs> so I like the whole comic bit I think would have been great but they cut it. It's too bad. It is. It's lost. I would like to say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Uh, 
So yeah, the the bad guys covering their tracks, well done. And again, puts a big underline under the idea that they may be FBI agents, but doesn't matter. They're not above getting fucked. And something that was perpetrated like that wasn't done by the locals. You know, that what that that kind of coordination was wasn't like the deputy and the the coroner trying to cover the tracks of of the their teenagers. Yeah, this goes a little you know, bit higher. Something bigger was going on there. Mm. Or they were directed to do it. Uh, that could be too. Right. It could just be a phone call saying if you want your kids to live, you know, you're gonna you're gonna fix this. You're gonna you're gonna you know, hide all the evidence, you're gonna just you're gonna do what you should have done right the first time. So now we get to meet Teresa Neman, mm. who uh, approaches Mulder and Scully after they half heartedly see that their evidence has gone up in smoke. Yeah. Not a good uh, moment. And saying, for you them. need to protect me. You need to protect me. Yeah, and we get uh, a short scene in a fast food joint. Uh, There's a a real shakiness to her voice that's pretty convincing. I think she did a really good job here. And she can imagine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, she also confirms her dad knows things happened to her. The guy, the doctor at the the graveyard that we met at the beginning of the episode. And like we just said, because she is, she's, she's, uh, because we just said she's squealing, uh, she's, she gets a nosebleed, yep. and we all know what happens when you get a nosebleed. And that is to get hit by a tractor. That is trailer. coming out like a squeeze ketchup bottle. Yeah, I think the effect was really well done. It it still holds up so good. Well, they apparently there's a lot of background on that effect because they asked somebody to make up. You know, they they gave him the problem. They said you need to have a on demand nosebleed, and so the guy came up with a gel cap that would. Uh, you know, you had a 15-second lead time. If you jammed it up the nose and then waited, it would guaranteed come out. But it was, like, too long and it wasn't completely reliable. So then they made a whole pump which goes over the head and they used, like, two pounds of makeup to make it fit there. Mm-hmm. And, when they, right. and when they first tested, apparently it blew up. And so it looked like she had a, you know, she was shot in the head. <laughs> so that apparently it did not hell. go as planned. One hell of a nosebleed. Yeah, exactly. So some trepidation when they actually started to put it to film. It's like, I hope this works. And it did. It worked really well. But they, they don't really linger on it, right? They, they're they able to, like, you know, she gets her hands in front of her face pretty yeah, quick. Yeah. You, right. But it's coming out fast. It is. But, yeah, so who, who else comes in but her dad urgently trying to get her out of there away from the FBI agents with Papa Miles. We find out he is the dad of Billy Miles and the same guy who threatened them in the forest. Yeah, a nice little... What a great reveal, right? It's a great great reveal. reveal. And it almost kind of gives in to Scully's idea that this could be a cult. I think they do a good job of still leaving those questions open. You know, everyone seems in on this, and that's a little concerning. I I would agree with that, except, of course, we as the viewers don't buy any of that well, for we've sure. seen the swirling leaves and the ufo come down and Absolutely. all this stuff it's like cult sure but no you know <laughs> we know what it is uh so we're moving on to the graveyard they they rush out there the graves are empty and they are freaking out i like the lead into that where Mulder's like makes him wonder what else was in the other two graves mm-hmm. uh, and i'm kind of surprised that they didn't exhume all the bodies at the same time but they they just decided to choose one Oh, except that the machine broke. The yeah, strap, the strap broke. broke. That meant we're not doing any more exercise. They only have they only have one strap. You can't have, have one strap. strap. You got a special yeah. order of that crap in small town Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Amazon hadn't been deli- you know invented yet, so uh, there's no same day delivery. I've seen the Goonies. I know what's going on. 
But yeah, they uh, they figure out that it must be Billy Miles. Yeah, Mulder has. Uh, and again, Mulder pieces together the plot. Mm-hmm. One of one of and many epiphanies. Force controls them and summons them there, and the marks are from some kind of test that's being done on them and uh, causing some kind of genetic mutation, which would explain the body we drug up. I mean, that scene is so great with the pounding rain, and they're just almost, they go a little bit psychotic, but they're laughing in the rain at this absurd yeah. question. That's the reason the kids come to the force, because the force controls them and summons them there. And, and, and the marks are from, from some kind of test that's being done on them. And, and that maybe causes some kind of genetic mutation, which would explain the body that we dug up. And the Force summoned Teresa Neman's body into the woods tonight. Yes, but it was Billy Miles who took her there, summoned by some alien impulse. That's it. <laughs> so, of course, we got to go back and view uh, Billy Miles yep. and figure out, you know, he's the guy, but how do we, how do we prove it? Scully takes a moment to check his feet, and goddamn if they're not dirty with the same space dirt that she's found. Uh, she's convinced at this point. Yeah, what I really like about this scene is this is the Scully parallel to Mulder's strange business when he's putting the X on the road. She's doing the strange business now that we actually have somebody saying, why is she doing that? And yep. The nurse is saying, what, what, what's she doing now? But it doesn't get explained, and it doesn't need to be explained because... We, the audience, know what she's doing, and anymore it would be gratuitous. It's it's perfect. And I like that Scully gets her moment to, to be the weirdo. Yeah. The nurse does make a uh, quite inappropriate joke about produce in the scene. <laughs> uh, she would be canceled immediately. If this... Yeah, but in 1993 it was really funny, <laughs> and was, we all would have laughed. It was hilarious. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man. That's a little yeah, ironic. Yeah. A little too much. There. But that that's her that's her and her mom joke, you know. Yeah. She's she's playing a character. I like though that she doesn't remember what she was doing. It eh? doesn't remember what TV show she was watching. It's it's nice cover mm-hmm. that oh this is this is wide reaching that you know whatever happened in 903 she was probably eyes down just, in the middle of her crossword. Just kind of a haze dropping over the town. Yeah. And as Mulder and Scully are leaving, she is as jazzed up as we've ever seen. Uh, she's putting it together, you know, Mulder's theory yep. is coming together, but it's kind of funny that Mulder has to remind her that while he's okay with sounding like a crazy man, uh, she's the one who has to write it and put it in her notes and submit it to the people who tasked her to spy on him. Uh, I do like that. It's that really nice. To, yeah. Yeah. You, you have to be able to sign off on it. And if you can't, then what are we doing here? Yep. So they they talk it out, and they're going to go back to the forest and make sure it's the same substance. They need more space dirt. More space dirt. Can't have enough. Because apparently the other stuff burned up in the fire. (laughs) So we're back in the forest. Um, Third time. Third time lucky in the forest. Third time, man. And Billy's dad does nothing less than assault an FBI agent with his gun. uh, Yeah, you got to imagine there's some repercussions for that. You would imagine. Uh, but but we don't go into that, you know. That's not what the episode's about. But uh, yeah, so he assaults Scully physically, and he aims his shotgun at Mulder like there's nothing wrong. Yeah, I told you to stay out of this. I mean, it's like 
and you get in your car, turn around, and go home. No, I'm gonna lay down some some shotgun justice. Yeah, you know the best way to get an FBI agent to uh, stay out of something is to assault them. Oh, of course. A lot of people don't know that, but if you just assault FBI people, they'll they'll leave you alone. Well, you know it's legal in Oregon to do. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) But so, but you know what's funny is that this is the beginning. That knockout is the beginning of the epidemic of Scully always missing the big <laughs> the reveal. big reveals. Yeah, she's always just a second For, too yeah. late. Yeah, she's got to have some serious concussions, you know, as a result of all the wax on the head she, she gets. Probably looks like she's been playing NFL football for years uh so yeah all right so we figured all out it's it's billy and billy's gonna confront he's gonna kill again Mm -hmm. so there's this confrontation but detective miles nope doesn't matter it's my boy we're gonna we're gonna see this through i wonder if maybe he's been told you play ball and you'll get your son back it's very possible because i i don't know why anyone would go through the lengths that he's going through to cover this up while innocent people are getting taken and hurt and killed like he, he's he's got he's be definitely a bad the bad guy, guy. Like, like, like the obvious of bad anyone, guy he's the, the guy protecting this whole thing so he's on the take in some way well i got a slight counterpoint to that and yeah. one i'm not always 100 percent convinced based on just watching the episode as many times as i had that that deputy uh deputy chucklehead in in the corner are 100 percent doing all the covering up Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, he does raise his weapon at Billy when he's about to take Teresa. True. So if That's he knew she point. was, if he knew she was oh, going to be, right. if he knew and he was going to be Walter okay, then why would he? Then Walter had to tackle him to make him not to make him not shoot Billy Miles. You know, his son. That's true. So That's a fair point. That's fair. It's. I like that they had that though because it does give Detective Miles some depth, other than just being the obvious bad guy. It's like you can tell he's conflicted <laughs> about what's going on, and that he is gonna he is gonna end this in order to save Teresa yeah. Neman uh, by shooting Billy. Although, I mean, the aliens are here; like something bad is going to happen, and and Billy being dead is probably not no. going to solve any of that. But I like that he, he makes the, have, the effort. You know, yeah, he does makes have a, decision. a little bit of worry. In, in his eyes and and his voice he's yelling for his son and then billy's marks are gone his dad is super excited that his son is now talking again and lucid uh he's happy he's not yeah. he's not the evil man we kind of portrayed him to be a few minutes ago but uh yeah we see we see him kind of just thankful that things are over or they seem to be yeah and again they don't dwell on that too much and they they really can't afford to because i think if they did it would tease out a lot of problems like yeah do you know what you just done to make this happen (laughs) i mean if anybody goes away like they do talk about that a little bit later uh when blevins and the third man are debriefing scully saying there's no way to prosecute this Mm -hmm. it's like oh no there are a few crimes we could (laughs) prosecute Let's uh, talk about the sugar. A few assaults on federal officers, obstruction charges. We we got something we could do here if you really wanted to. Yeah. But no, not going to do that. So we go from the forest to the interview with Billy Miles. He's being hypnotized. I think uh, Mark Snow did a really good job adding the creep back into this this episode. He does such a good. Oh, it's such good yeah. music. Yeah. And it's yeah. actually, you know what? I want I want to take a quick thing. I mean. I mean the 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 casting of of David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson is beyond brilliant. But we also had the other big character in the show, and that's Mark Snow from the very first episode. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he does so much to set the mood in every every episode of the X Files. 
and the movies. He, he's you know? I mean, a genius. What a, I mean, what what a find. I mean, I don't believe Mark Snow was well known before the X Files. No. So I mean, do you get yep. David, Jillian, and Mark Snow all in the same shot? I mean, talk about a trifecta, you know. Mm-hmm. He did a great job. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not overbearing, which is part of its strength, right? It it supports the scene and it doesn't draw attention to itself, but it's there doing its job. Yeah. It's kind of like the actors, you know they they're not given. I shouldn't say that they are given some pretty amazing bits of dialogue, but it's done sparingly and to great effect. Mm-hmm. It's not, we don't need to be hit over the head with uh, exposition with every breath. And whenever they, they are on screen, they're really loyal to the characters they're portraying. So I totally agree with you, BP. It's, it's the casting here, which I think is, is part of the reason that show has been so successful. You know, the, the story is great, but other actors, you know, other music, I think it would come across really schlocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You come for the stories, but you stay for Mulder and Scott. Yeah. Yep. So as Billy's recounting the last thing he remembers, altogether, it's a very short scene. We do get a shot in the background of Heinz Verber, the actual doctor mm. who regressed Mulder, and we do not see him again, I don't believe, until uh, season five. So they're actually yep. tapping hmm. the same actor. It's just amazing how much thought they put into this stuff. So in the later seasons, he shows up again. And it's really cool. Well, and remember that the the casting, the local casting would have been in BC mm-hmm. in seasons one through four. And so they get to season five and like, you know what? We should really bring back that regression doctor for, you know, a plot point. Mm-hmm. So they would have, unless the actor who played him lived in LA and came up to BC for the shoot, uh, they would have had to go back to him and say, we need you for this. But of course, by then, you know, they had more money <laughs> to, to play with. They would be able to cast anybody. Yeah. Get Jim Carrey to come down and play the, the doctor if they wanted to. <laughs> Not quite the same feel as the original guy, but... Everyone get your Jim Everyone Carrey impressions out. But yeah, uh, we go we go straight into uh, Scully's debrief. Uh, Blevins? And I love how it's so circular. Mm-hmm. Like, we start with Blevins and the third man talking to Scully, and we end with Blevins and, and third man debriefing Scully. And the only thing that's changed is Scully. Yep. Like she has now come full circle, but she's she's grown. You know, she's gonna say, "Yep, you're all right, except for this thing." And she brings out the alien transmitter. Yep, Scully straight mic drops those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. It is fucking so <laughs> badass. I mean, so she just puts that on a thing, and they're just like, they look at her like, "Oh, well, yeah, we fucked up on this one." I think I think they're they're very upset with the direction she chose to go. Because it was the decision, you know, be a decent human being or be a, a pawn. And she is not the, the latter. Um, Blevins, he's angry, but he doesn't hit her too hard, I don't think. You know, he thinks the story is totally incredible. Wholly unbelievable. And they are more focused with how you prosecute this stuff, like you said earlier, Andrew. And, yeah, she just kind of brandishes that nose implant and is like, you know what? Here's your evidence. Mulder's on to something. And they're not too yeah. happy about it. Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great little line there. Mm-hmm. I I like that. Uh, I do like that Blevins and the third man use the system against mm-hmm. her. Like, to say that uh, this is all very good, you know, and well that you have this unexplained, obvious phenomenon happening out there. But what are we actually going to do about it? More to the point, what are yeah, you going to do? Why, about why it? is Mulder wasting our time and resources on this? 
Exactly. And Scully passes CSM on her way out, and the creepy music comes back. It's it's like what he wasn't late to the meeting, but now they're going to have like some sort of secret. You know, what do we do about this kind of meeting? Mm-hmm. Really cool. I think that he. Yeah, I think in a future episode we know that he's bugging the offices, mm-hmm. right? So he was probably listening in and go, "Oh, she had an alien transmitter. Well, I'll just wander down and retrieve that." <laughs> right. Thanks for that. I'll just put it Thanks somewhere special. For that. So in Scully's apartment, she's just laying, and it's night. She's laying in bed. Uh, she's watching her alarm clock. Now, I kind of got the sense that she's waiting, or part of her is waiting for something to happen. She wants to make sure that the clock is actually moving. What, do you, what did you guys catch from oh, that? Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. That's good. <laughs> I just got that sense, the way she's looking at it. Like, yeah. Mm, it would yeah, have been better, of course, like if it before. was... It would have been better if it was 9.03, right? Right. <laughs> Just sitting there looking at yeah, it. And then it turns to 9.04 and she hasn't had a fade to white. Yeah, that would have been much better. But uh, apparently, is it 11.42? That's a birthday, I think. Uh, yes. 11.21 to 22, Chris Carter's wife, Dory Pearson, born on 11.21.48. Right. Nice. So thank you, Easter eggs. They knew they were going to get somewhere with this. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to see some 1013s down there. Yeah, 1013 yeah, no was... Doubt. It's the name of the production. Mulder's apartment. Oh, it's Chris Carter's birthday. Okay. Yeah, Pretty and sure. Mulder's apartment, I think, right? Oh, no, is he 42? He's His apartment's 42, I think. Mm. Or is it 1013? But it's also he, the name of uh, Chris Carter's production company, yeah. too. Yeah. I made this. Right. DP, we need you. No. <laughs> So, uh, of course, we can't go without talking about the big denouement, the cigarette-smoking man in the filing area. Yeah. Uh, We we get a very Raiders of the Lost Ark scene with CSM taking... Oh, nice. Nice It was amazing. I was like, oh, man, here we go. And really, all he's doing, he's in a warehouse, he pops it into a little plastic container, and he walks out. And I think the greatest reveal is when he closes the door and locks it, and it's got that it's Pentagon, Pentagon thing. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. No, your exit. It's just the emergency, like, in case of, yeah, in no case of fire, exits. exit sign. So it's not even like, hey, here's the secret door, or here's this key card thing. It's just, nope, here's the Pentagon fire I, escape plan. I like that it's so mundane, right? As opposed to mm-hmm. restricted access. Do yeah. not enter. You yeah, know? It's, it's just like, more like, yeah. It's just, yeah. hidden you, in plain sight. You are signals. here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I also like too. I want. I also like the fact that the uh, when he puts the implants up. I mean, you there's see, there's like just in that particular. There's there's five or six other ones in there, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that gives you an idea of the how much possible alien activity is out there, and also how much the government knows about it. Definitely. Oh, it's so it's that just definitely. It's definitely the writer telling us that oh, the government is complicit in this. This is Mulder is totally right. Uh, you followed along with us this long, and we're going to give you this little reward to tell you that. Yes, everything that Mulder said is true, and uh, if you follow along for the next nine or ten seasons, you'll find out why. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's the episode, guys. What? Uh, I love what are your final so thoughts? Let's just dive right in. Or anyone can go. Well, I mean, all I can say is that it's one of the best pilots that you'll ever mm-hmm. see. Oh, it's practically I mean, it's a movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's super good quality, all right? Yeah, it's it's and it's got every it, it sets up the mythology, it sets up the character motivation, it shows uh, what you think is Scully coming as a spy, but it turns out you know by the end you realize that she is a 
real a investigator real who just wants to find out what's going on. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. uh, and I think they do a pretty good job of setting up Mulder at first. Kind of seems a little bit kooky, but then we realize that his motivation is... He's got... You know, up for his sister and all that. It's just, he's, he's really driven, absolutely. you know? He's got a very strong motivation, which brings him, you know, down from that crazy place you were just talking about. Just a little bit. You know, he can have his weird theories, but it helps him become a human into the audience. Mm -hmm. So for us to believe in him is a key component of the show. And I think they pulled it off very well. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I don't think it's perfect. I may be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, not. Yeah. How dare I? Uh, Uh, You're off the podcast. Uh, But I think it's really, really, really good. Uh, And especially for the time, like, I think we've gushed before. There was just nothing else like it at the time. Like the only other sort of show that was out there doing this kind Still of sci-fi. Like it. It's Quantum Leap, you know, or or Star Trek Next Generation. Both huge shows, but for sure, you know, you they were fantastical. Whereas this one, yeah, this... there's fantasy for sure, but there's fantasy. You can be like, oh, I could see this happening, and it tapped into that whole conspiracy theory, uh, you know, mentality that was just ready to be tapped. Yes. I think the the paranormal nature that the UFO sightings and things that was prime material to be tapped. We had been dealing with it since the fifties at that point, but I think the the abduction stories were part of like this outside the the mainstream storytelling of the population. <laughs> like there are a lot of stories out there, but you know there were always these wackos who talk about aliens, and this show comes along and kind of legitimizes it in a weird way it grounds it in some sense yeah, of reality and that, yeah i think it just yeah. it was just awesome they did such yeah, a inspired to be sure i mean i i think chris carter you know he really has an amazing imagination to be able to pull all these bits and pieces together uh and really give it a an amazing voice um yeah and, and of course fox obviously was head over heels with it and uh one of the more successful shows for them at the time mm-hmm one of the longest uh, running sci-fi shows, for sure. Well, you know, I, I just... One of the great things, I mean, first of all, there's never been a show like The X-Files. Before or since. Uh, before, and, and there's really never been one like it since. I mean, the things that it's able to do, the Monsters of the Week, the mythology, the those funny shows mm-hmm. like Bad Blood, Hose of Chunks from Outer Space. I mean, other shows try to pull that off, but they just it, it doesn't have the gravitas of an X-Files. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Yeah. They, they didn't earn it. I think to draw on what you're saying, like the. I think you're right. Other shows mm-hmm. tried to take those kind of liberties, but you can't go there until you've earned it. And they they put in the time to get there for sure. And I think one other thing is that they didn't even know if they were going to work. Like they dabbled. They kind of dipped their toe into funny and, and lighthearted material with episodes like Humbug and uh, Darren Morgan did a lot to to kind of push them in that direction and be be not so serious and kind of make fun of themselves but they earned it like everything because of the actors and because of how good they are in the production is just it's just so perfect they did yeah. such a good job yeah absolutely so yeah that's the pilot ladies and gentlemen and i think well i enjoyed it yeah should we watch it again yeah let's watch it. i mean what's another hundred right. times right yeah all right let's sign off here Thank you for listening to today's episode of This Is Not Happening, another X-Files podcast. If you liked what you heard, we'd appreciate a like and subscribe, or ratings and reviews on your podcast app of choice. 
We appreciate all feedback and would love to hear it. Please visit our Facebook page, The Syndicate, colon, This Is Not Happening, and follow us on Twitter at TXF Syndicate and join in on the discussions and fun. Also check out Magus Media's other podcast, The Chips Groove Podcast, for fun, in-depth reviews of video game soundtracks of all generations. Thank you and remember, don't stop swimming.